Okay. So I've been having a little bit of a problem with my stove recently. Um, like it takes a little bit too long for it to light up. Okay, well it worked this time, that's good. But of course now there's this big blue flame in the middle of my kitchen and once in a while, I sometimes think maybe this flame is not super great for me. <laughs> and maybe I shouldn't be breathing all the things that it's like putting in the air, but then I go on and finish cooking my eggs and try not to think about it that hard. I have a gas stove. I use it all the time. And honestly, it just works for me. There is something very satisfying about the like click, click, click of the igniter and then the moment when it all lights up and you are ready to go off to the races with what you're cooking. Um, sometimes I even use the open flame itself to do something like charring the outside of a, of a red pepper. And I know that I'm not the only person with this kind of loyalty to my gas stove. You know, 40 million Americans have them and some are very attached. This is Michael Corin, our climate coach here at The Post. And he has been reporting on gas stoves because they've ended up at the center of a very surprising political debate. And this debate's been going on for a while, but it was really touched off when someone from the Consumer Product Safety Commission floated the idea of a possible ban. It comes as mounting research links gas stoves to health risks when it comes to breathing issues. The House voted yesterday to pass legislation that prevents the federal government from banning gas stoves. The president does not support uh, banning gas stoves and the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which is independent, uh, is not banning gas stoves. I so just want to be very clear on that. On that. We've had these stoves for over 100 years. It's totally fine to give fentanyl to addicts, but a gas stove is a threat to your life? There really was never a ban in the works, and it's not even statutorily you know, in process. So that was a bit of a red herring, but it touched off a cultural war kind of kerfluffle. The news this week is that the Department of Energy is, in fact, putting out new standards for gas stoves. Essentially, what the U.S. government, uh, Department of Energy, has been doing for decades now is saying, we want appliances to meet some minimum standards for efficiency. And so that's what this is. But many people, including me a little bit, are worried that this might spell the beginning of the end for gas stoves. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers, and it's Tuesday, January 30th. Today, Mike and I take a closer look at what the research can tell us about the chemicals released by gas stoves and whether it might be time to consider switching yours out. Or not. No pressure. I'm hoping that we can just start by talking a little bit more about why gas stoves started to become a concern and something that the U.S. government was interested in. So gas stoves have been a flashpoint for health concerns since at least the 1970s, if not before. In fact, in the early 1900s, the gas industry itself said we shouldn't be venting these stoves into homes. But we haven't known for a long time exactly how bad that is. And so in the 1970s and beyond, um, scientists began to do studies and look at just what is being emitted uh, into homes when you burn methane. And it turns out it's kind of a nasty cocktail. It's nitrogen dioxide, formaldehyde, benzene. These are implicated in asthma and other respiratory problems. And scientists have said, well, you know, we really should look at other ways to mitigate this. And one of them is ventilation. It's actually quite effective, but not everyone has access to that. 
And by ventilation, you mean something as easy as just like opening a window as you're cooking? Um, that is better than nothing. Um, but really good ventilation tends to be a mechanical hood that's kind of like one of those scoops that sucks in a lot of the air and then vents it outside. Mm-hmm. What doesn't work very well is having those microwave sort of flat top ones that just sort of sucks the air and spits it back out into the room. Oh, you mean They're like the res- one that I have at my house? Exactly. The one that most people have. <laughs> They're called recirculating. And while they're slightly better than nothing, it's a bit of a false sense of security. Um, and the emissions that come out of these stoves, while for a healthy person they may not be a reason to panic, they are a risk factor for disease, most likely for those who are vulnerable populations like elderly children, people with respiratory issues. Mm-hmm. I have to say, even though I'm one of these people with the bad hood that's clearly not ventilating properly, and, and I certainly don't question any of the research or the actual science about the risks that this poses for a lot of people who have gas stoves in their house, whether they're young or vulnerable, old, um, what have you. At the same time, I like my gas stove. I like the flame that comes out. I like that it makes it feel exciting to cook. I think a lot of Americans feel this way. I'm sure that you've encountered this, that there is a a great deal of loyalty around gas stoves. How intense is the, like, backlash to the kind of efforts to get people to rethink their stoves? I mean, people do like their gas stoves, and there's a reason for that. Partially, potentially, is the way it functions, but a lot of it has to do with the marketing that's been spent over the last 50 or 60 years. There was a huge effort to to kind of embed gas stoves as the way to cook. Um, as I think Julia Child was even involved in that. But I, I think that when people actually try to use not the old electric resistance stoves, but these new induction stoves, they'll find a lot is just works better. Uh, it's faster. It's more precise. It's easier to clean. There's no pollution from it, and you know a number of other of other benefits. So while it still I think has the flame, you're right, has this romance. I had. A 1950 <laughs> Wedgwood stove, and it kind of heated my house as well as cooked my food. Mm. But uh, I've switched to induction, and I've never looked back. So there's a bit of romance to it, but I'll I'll trade that for the less pollution and better performance. And I think this is an important distinction that you're making between kind of the old school electric stoves that I think a lot of people are familiar with, either the coil ones or the flat tops, which like objectively having used them, I can say like they don't work well and they don't work as well as gas. Um, But then you say that there's these new induction stoves, um, which are a lot more cutting edge. Can you describe a little bit how they work? Sure. So electric resistance works by setting electrical current through a coil, and the resistance from that coil creates a lot of heat, and that's what heats up your food. But people tend not to like them. They're not very precise. They're not very fast. Whereas induction actually creates an electromagnetic field that heats up the metal in your pots and pans. And you can put your hand right next to them, and it won't be affected. It won't even be hot. Uh, it's really just the, the metal itself. Um, and so what that is is not only very efficient, but you can control the heat uh, at very minute degrees. And so uh, people like that because it allows them to cook very efficiently. Uh, the cleanup is relatively good. It's even more efficient than electric, uh, and especially for gas uh, stoves as well. 
I will say, so I was just on vacation, and um, part of my time away, I was staying with a friend who lives in Europe, where I guess people have taken on these induction stoves um, a little bit more readily than Americans. Um, and so staying at her house, I used an induction stove for the first time, but I was I was pretty impressed. But and I like I didn't I didn't want to like it, but yeah. I was surprised, especially for boiling water, where it, like the effect is immediate. And I was like, oh, this is they they, they have a point. There's a bit of a learning curve, but once you do it, it's it's kind of like, it's hard to go back, I think. I read that the Germans think we're all crazy for burning methane inside our, our kitchens. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it just, it, it, it'll probably in a few years or a few decades, we'll look back and think it was kind of crazy that we did what we did. But um, yeah, it's the technology and the price is finally catching up so that this is now accessible to a lot more people than it used to be. And you kind of ran your own study to get a sense of what the difference is in terms of emissions when you have a gas stove versus an induction stove. Can you talk a little bit about what you did and how you tested it? So we found um, a kitchen in Oakland that we would use as a stand-in as our test kitchen for two different types of cooking, for induction and for gas. So we borrowed a kitchen from Daniel Wolf, who's a graphics reporter in Oakland, California. And he remodeled his kitchen with outdoor ventilation. But he has an old Wedgwood gas stove that he's been using um, since he began. When we're looking uh, to move here in Oakland, um, this spot jumped out to us, not because of the rooms or the light or hardwood floors or anything. You know, those things are good. But we saw this uh, stove and we fell in love. And he's been worried about emissions in his home, not only for himself, but for his two-year-old child. It's really tough because it feels like smoking. Like we know, we know it's bad, but it's so great. It feels good. We look cool. It's a cool looking oven. Um, but I do think like if we know the data a little bit better and, and, it's, and it's like significantly off the charts and that the fan isn't doing much, then we'll definitely consider alternatives like an induction stove. We cooked two meals, pasta and then burgers, on each of those types. And we, what we wanted to find out was what kind of emissions were we seeing um, from cooking on these different fuels and with different meals uh, in a typical kitchen in this case. So four weeks before we even started, we installed sensors all around the kitchen, about a dozen. And we wanted to find out what the baseline kind of pollution levels were. And then we compared that to what they were like when we were cooking. We looked at uh, first with pasta, and when we cooked with gas, we saw NO2, these nitrogen dioxide levels, just go through the roof. Um, and that was to be expected. That's one of the main pollutants that come from fossil fuel combustion. And we didn't see that with our induction stove. Uh, we had a, a portable induction burner right on top of it. Um, what that suggests is, you know, even with ventilation, we did this both with ventilation without ventilation, we saw those levels stay elevated close to what the California Air Resources Board thinks is dangerous for long periods of time. Um, and then we did the same thing and we did it with burgers. And in that case, what we found was not only were NO2 levels with gas, but the food itself contributed to bad air quality, essentially uh, particulate matter, about PM2.5, that can contribute long-term to respiratory issues. Wait, and wait, that wait. So the, like the, the burger itself was like aerated and then like the burger getting into your lungs is the bad thing? 
Essentially, what we do when we cook food, at least when we fry and saute, is that a lot of these particles of oil or charred sort of meat or vegetables will go into the air and create this pollution. And that's why ventilation is so important. Uh, and once or twice, or even you know, semi-regularly, it's not the end of the world. But of course, we cook all the time. And so that's why ventilation is so important whenever you can, when you can have it. Uh, obviously, adding NO2 and benzene and these other chemicals on top of it, not a good combination. I think what you highlighted in this, like, at-home study uh, speaks to what I think a lot of people are feeling right now. That, yes, you know, boiling water for pasta, like, that is that is cleaner when it comes to, you know, using an induction stove versus gas. But that when you're cooking a lot of times, like, the stuff that you're cooking is also in the air and also has an effect. Um, and it feels like the 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 gas stove issue is being kind of considered in a vacuum, right? Like, there are other things that we do that involve lighting fires in our house. I mean, I have a, a fireplace at home, and, like, we love our fireplace, and I'm sure that has particulates, but it's still important to me. I think candles are another thing, right, that, like, if you burn a candle in your house for a few hours, that is sending a lot of particulates out in the air, and yet... I think a lot of us would still think candles are okay. Um, so I guess I, I, I wonder if there's this, like, uh, this black and white approach being brought to the gas stoves that might be more complicated in the realities of a lot of people's lives. Like a lot of science, you're right. There's not a black and white answer to that question. And the scientists I talked to kind of put it this way. They said, look, if you have a gas stove, don't panic. If you're healthy, it probably won't make a big difference. If you're more vulnerable in one of those populations where you're young or older or you have pre-existing respiratory issues, it's a risk factor. And the choice you have is like, do you want that risk factor? Is that worth it? Um, and in some cases, there's just really cheap ways you can get around that by having better ventilation or you can just use a portable induction stove. And it, I guess it's important to think that you know, it's not the occasional exposure, like having a fireplace or even lighting candles, that matters as much as the duration and the frequency, which is I'm cooking twice a day, and that actually has a much bigger difference than some of the things you mentioned. And so you're right. Don't go remodel your kitchen tomorrow because um, there are other things that might matter too. But as you're thinking about kind of the way you live your life and how you want to make changes, it's something to consider. After the break, Michael and I dig in more on the new standards the government is setting for gas stoves and how they'll affect those of us who still feel attached to ours. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get back to these new standards that are being considered or brought forth by the government. What exactly is going to change and and what is the government kind of trying to in- encourage the stove industry to do? The, there's two standards that came out, one for gas stoves, one for electric. 
And we'll start with the the gas stove one. Um, this was an interesting process in that the Association of Home and Appliance Manufacturers, essentially industry, said it was actually supportive of this um, because it was kind of a collaborative process between them and the DOE. And the final rule, you know, only affects a fraction of the gas stoves on the market. But by 2028, um, there's going to be some minimum efficiency standards so that essentially gas stoves would use about 4% less energy and electric ovens would use about 7% less energy. Um, and uh, they do that with gas stoves by optimizing the burner and grate design, essentially. Um, so right now, there's already a fair amount of energy-efficient stoves out there. This will just raise the floor a little higher. This is the final proposed rule by the Department of Energy. It now goes into a comment period for 110 days. And barring any unforeseen circumstances, it will go into effect on January 31st, 2028. And what could be the impact of this kind of regulation um, environmentally? So, you know, day to day, you're probably not going to notice that much difference on your particular utility bill. Um, But... Overall, the DOE is raising standards on this and a number of other appliances, and that has a huge difference. So, for example, uh, if you went from, let's say, the least efficient appliances on the market to the most efficient under the new DOE proposals, you would save about $120 annually on your utility bill. Environmentally, that adds up to about 22 coal-fired power plants. That's 2.5 billion metric tons over 30 years. And the reason this is so effective is that DOE just keeps ratcheting up the efficiency standards so that manufacturers keep making them um, you know, more energy saving and save you money and uh, it turns out a lot of emissions. And I guess that, that comes back to like the other potential big reason to switch, which is not about the style of your cooking, but if you're relatively agnostic to whether or not it's a gas stove or electric or what have you, as long as it gets your food warm, that this does mean big things for emissions, like, writ large and for the environment. And also, I imagine cost, right? Like, I look at my gas bill, I can see the months when I have been cooking more than when I haven't, um, and that a lot of those efficiencies are probably borne out in how much money people are spending at the end of the month. Yeah, so you'll, you'll, if you basically have one of these more efficient stoves, you'll see a small gain in, you know, in, in savings on your utility bill. But maybe more important is gas stoves have become kind of the gateway appliance for all gas appliances in your home. And if you want to break up with those over time, like I'm trying to do, this is kind of the last stand. And so if you have one connection to your home, you basically have to pay a gas bill that not only includes the gas they deliver, but all the pipes that got it there. And that's actually Mm. a big leaky system that's causing a lot of emissions and um, adding to climate change. And so I think the important thing on gas stoves is once that goes... People aren't attached to their their water heater or their furnace. That might go electric much easier and much faster. But the gas stove is the, maybe the last one to fall, and so that's why there's a big fight over this. Interesting. So, do you anticipate the gas stove wars ending anytime soon? <laughs> I don't, unfortunately. So, I think this will go on for quite a while. I should say. No one's coming to take your stove. This is just about standards, about stoves you want to buy in the future that will take effect in 2028. So I think there will be people burning gas stoves for decades to come. Um, But the market, I think, in the coming years is going to become more and more electric until people won't even think about installing a new gas stove. Michael, thank you so much for 
talking about these costs and benefits and gently persuading people to consider a potential other option. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Michael Corrin is the climate advice columnist for The Post. Recently, he's written about how to choose your next energy-efficient car, the benefits of bidets, and why taking a rest day could help fight climate change. If you want to subscribe to his newsletter, check out the link in our show notes. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Sabby Robinson. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. Thank you to Alice Lee, as well as Chelsea Willett and her induction stove. If you are looking to catch up on the latest news from The Washington Post, I highly recommend subscribing to The 7. There's a newsletter and a podcast, and both are delivered to you by 7 a.m. with all the stories that you're going to want to read or listen to that morning. Check out The 7 wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 